Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office, from school board to Senate and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson, and I have a particularly awesome guest today, Representative Attica Scott. Now, it's March, and that means that here in the U.S., it is Women's History Month. What I'm not going to do right now is talk about Women's History Month or even International Women's Day, which is March 8th. Instead of reading you the highlights of the Women's History Month wiki page, I'm going to say this. Sometime this month, have a conversation with a woman in your life about someone she admires. That's right, I'm giving you homework. Or really suggesting extra credit work that doesn't really matter. Whatever, that's not the point. Talk to a woman in your life about someone that she admires. Maybe you'll learn about an amazing woman that you should know. You'll definitely learn more about an important woman in your life. All right, now you are different from most of the candidates that I'm interviewing because you are actually a sitting state representative. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Most of the women I talk to are you know, in the middle of their campaign, a lot of them are running for the first time. So I'm excited to talk to you about what actually sitting in the seat is like. Well, I'm glad that we're having that conversation because it was uh, important for me to have had that opportunity with my political mentors to have that conversation to say it's one, it really is one thing to run and it's another to actually serve. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get you introduced. So who are you and what is your position? I am State Representative Attica Scott, and I serve Kentucky House District 41 uh, here in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, so you are actually representing Louisville. I represent part of Louisville, yes. Okay. And now, is State Representative a full-time job? It is actually a part-time position. Our legislature operates um, every 60 days during the even-numbered years and 30 days during the odd-numbered years, and then most of us work full-time jobs. Okay, so what is your other job? So I work full-time as a community coach. I work with uh, counties, localities, townships across the country that are working to build a culture of health. That's super interesting. I love it. <laughs> and it actually complements um, the the work that I am doing as a, a legislator because, you know, health and health care and access to um, affordable and quality health care is at the top of almost everyone's agenda across the country. And this allows me to see into urban and rural and suburban and Appalachian um, and uh, indigenous communities across the country. And um that experience helps to inform uh, my role as a state representative. So why did you decide to run? You ran in 2016 and won. So what made that push? I was pushed by a a sitting state representative, someone who, uh, a woman who has been there um, serving in our state capitol, Frankfort, Kentucky. And uh, she has made it her mission to get more women. And particularly, she's very intentional about getting women of color serving in office. And so she basically said to me, she told me about a year to a year and a half before election day, um, you'll be running for this seat. We need you to run for this seat. And I need you to start getting ready now. Now, and so she she is the kind of person who uh, you just say okay, and you start getting ready to run. 
But I was also encouraged by many people across the city and really across the Commonwealth of Kentucky to run um, because they wanted to have some additional voices that believed in human rights and social justice and um, would uh, speak up and, and stand up for people who often feel powerless and voiceless, but it, who are in no way powerless or voiceless. And you went through the Emerge Kentucky program, right? I was in the first class of Emerge Kentucky in 2010, yes. And now you're on the board? i on the advisory board to Emerge Kentucky, yes. Wow. So how did going through that program get you prepared for your campaign? Of course, Emerge Kentucky is part of the National Emerge um, America Network, and they provide you with just about every single um, aspect of running an effective and winnable campaign from um, cutting your turf to building your relationships to fundraising to messaging to social media. It it really touches on all of those different aspects. And on uh, top of that, you are part of this uh, both statewide and national network of women who uh, believe in democratic principles and who are supporting one another to run for office. The kind of women who um, said to me, knowing that I would be the only black woman serving in the state house if I won in 2016, that we've got your back and we're going to do what Mm -hmm. it takes to support you. And that's, I've talked to several women who've gone through the Emerge program and programs like it, and that's almost the most important thing that they said they've gotten out of it is this cohort of women that they can turn to. That's exactly right. I was able to, when I ran in 2016, call on my sisters across Kentucky, my Merge Kentucky sisters, and ask for their support at every level. It didn't take, uh, you know, several phone calls or, you know, a a sit down face to face where I have to convince you that I'm the best person in this race for my Merge sisters to say, I got your message, the checks (laughs) in the mail, or to go online and see that they donated um, just because I, I sent them a text. And so that was important. And it was also important to have women who would drive hours to come and knock on doors with me or I'd send them a call list and they'd make phone calls that really made a difference and in addition to that the national network of Emerge America was extremely supportive in getting the word out about my campaign to their national network and since then have called on me to support launching new Emerge chapters across the country so I've um, gone to New York to help launch Emerge New York to New Orleans to help launch uh, Emerge Louisiana Um, so I've had the opportunity to go to uh, different parts of the country to help launch the new uh, Emerge chapters um, across the country. That's so exciting. It's extremely exciting. And I used to live in, uh, I'm born and raised, of course, in, in Louisville, Kentucky, but I lived in Knoxville, Tennessee. I wanted to go away to college. And it was wonderful to be able to go back and be invited to Nashville to help launch Emerge Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So you did something during your race that many women are trying to accomplish this year. You defeated an incumbent to act to win your seat and not not just any incumbent, but one that had been seated there for 34 years. Did that seem like just an impossible mission when you were first starting out? Yes, it did. <laughs> it, it, absolutely. Um, my amazing team of folks uh, where we were all very clear that we were about to launch into something that was huge. Um, of course, other people had run for that seat as well in the 34-year um, history of 
um, the, the previous um, state representative's tenure and uh, were not able to defeat him. Some had come close. And so we knew that we, of course, had a challenge on our hands. We also knew that we were going, um, we were running um, uh, in the same seat as someone who um, was also of the same political party, so also a Democrat. And so that has its own sensitivities as well. Mm-hmm. And so we were mindful of that. And we ran a, a good, clean campaign. We were focused on issues. And, and ultimately, the people of the district um, decided that they, they did want someone new with fresh ideas and a different perspective uh, going to Frankfurt and, and representing um, people across the district. How many women are serving a state representative? So in Kentucky, we have a 100-member House of Representatives, and 17 of those members are women, and I am the only woman of color. Do you find that the women that you serve with work together more easily than maybe working, you know, across when you're working across the aisle than the men do? I've heard that in some cases. I didn't know if it was true for yours. That has definitely been my experience um, serving in the Kentucky legislature and and even talking to other um, women in my political party of choice. They have definitely reflected that same sentiment that they've had extremely productive working relationships with other women in Frankfurt. So how is being a state representative different than what you thought it would be? Oh, it's different on a whole lot of levels. Uh, I mean, we're talking a statewide office where, yes, you definitely represent the people in the district that voted you to, to go to the state capitol to represent them. And you also represent uh, the millions of people who live in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And so that's important to keep in mind and to be able to keep bringing that message back home when you uh, go back to your district to say to folks, yes, I, I am up there there in Frankfurt representing you and at the same time there are all of these um, additional interests that are important for all of us to be aware of so for example Louisville Kentucky is an urban city with suburban areas and um, Kentucky is rural and Appalachian and so I'm, I'm learning so much from my colleagues about uh, their experiences um, in the mountains and the hollers and and being able to bring that back home and, and say folks we, we've got a lot of similarities and if we spent enough time, if we truly invested in and were intentional about building relationships across our differences, we'd see that we also have just as much that's in common. And when we work together to lift up all of us in Kentucky, we're all going to be better for it. So that has been a different experience for me. It's also different to be in a, a legislature that's, you know, it's 138 members, 38 senators, 100 m- members of the House. That's a lot of people to uh, work with to try to get legislation proposed and passed. Um, And also you've got uh, the travel. So Kentucky is a very long state. So you've got people who are traveling in from east and west and cold country and um, and, in other areas. And so all of that is something that I keep in mind in my service is that we all are bringing different realities and practicalities and that they all uh, need to be taken into account. You know, you, you bring up a great point and one that I have a constant question about when I'm talking to people who are representing uh, a, a huge group of people. You know, you've got such disparate groups within your state. You know, like you said, Louisville is uh, is more urban. You've got lots of rural counties. How do you even begin to represent all of those people? I know you were elected to represent a very specific part of Louisville, but ultimately, 
the goal is to make the entire state better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, even getting back to this podcast about, you know, women running for office, even in the running for office in the district in Louisville, it was important to me to become more aware of and more educated around issues that folks outside of Louisville were interested in and to bring that back to the campaign so that when I was talking to people in different parts of District 41, I was able to say to them, yes, and these are some of the issues that folks outside of Louisville are concerned about, are passionate about, that I also want to make sure that I am going to our state capitol and being a voice around and being supportive of. And so now serving in office, I have made it my business to build relationships with my colleagues who mm-hmm. you know, serve, for example, in Pike County or Letcher County and far east, eastern Kentucky and, um, you know, in Warren County and western Kentucky to learn about, you know, what are your issues and how can I best be supportive? And um, that means that I'm, I'm helping to be a, a link, a bridge, and also educating the folks back home so that they can also um, be poised to take action to be supportive. For example, if there's you know a water crisis issue or natural disaster or um, whatever the case may be, and so it's, for me, it's it goes back to the fundamental of building relationships, being authentic, and being intentional. So in that vein, I when I was looking you up, I was on your website, and you have just a crazy long list of uh, leadership positions that you've served in, awards you've gotten. I mean, it is a little nuts how much you are doing in your community. Um, But one that that really stood out to me is that you were named to Essence Magazine's list of woke 100 women in the U.S. Beyond being just crazy cool, what was it like to hear that you were named on that list and why did they choose you? Oh my goodness. First of all, it's Essence Magazine. I grew up (laughs) reading Essence Magazine and never imagined that I would be anywhere near Essence Magazine. And so um, to one, have even been contacted by Essence to say um, of you know, all of these amazing women across the country, um, women of color who are doing some, you know, making huge differences across the country. We want to highlight you as one of our first 100 um, woke women across the country who are doing important work in your locality. So that was like drop, fall on the floor and get back up again and, and dust yourself off and say, wow. And then to actually open the magazine and see myself there with, you know, um, women like Kamala Harris and Ilhan Omar and, and other um, women. It was just phenomenal. And it was also a, a reminder to me that, you know, across the country, women are making these connections with one another to say, you know, how can we um, duplicate some of our good work in different localities? And also, um, it was an affirmation from. Essence magazine, a, a, a magazine that's been devoted to lifting up the story of black women. It was mm-hmm. a, an affirmation from Essence magazine that we all are doing work that has value and worth and was being lifted up in that venue. And so I, I continue to um, appreciate the opportunity to be in the magazine and also what the what that opportunity did for people, you know, right here at home who saw the magazine, didn't know I was going to be in there, opened it up, saw it, and were 
even more excited than I was because they saw themselves reflected in Essence magazine. They saw a woman from Kentucky, a state that for those of us who identify as Democrats can be written off and Mm -hmm. to open up Essence and see one of our own in there from Kentucky was just um, so important for girls and women right here at home in Louisville and across Kentucky. What is one piece of advice you have for a woman who is thinking about running for office? One piece of advice for um, a woman who's thinking of running for office and and even a a girl, a, a young woman, a teen who's thinking about at some point running for office, be sure that you reach out to someone to be a political mentor to you. I believe that Um, We should have lots of different mentors. I have a spiritual mentor, a political mentor, a community mentor, lots of different mentors, mentors who are younger than me, older than me, and in my my same um, age group. And I say reach out and identify a mentor and ask a woman to be your mentor because if she's in office, she can provide the opportunity for you to shadow her for a day or you know, to see what it's like for her to be in committee meetings or to meet with grassroots lobbyists or, you know, high paid lobbyists. And, um, you might have the opportunity to be her intern, whether she's on your city council or she's serving in your state office. Um, identify those mentors. And there are women that you can call on when you have questions or you want to know, well, so what was it like for you to take that vote? I, I imagine you struggled with it. C- can you help me learn what it's like to struggle with the vote? Or, um, you know, any questions you have about what does it take for you to be able to stand up and be the only one to speak out against an issue and and look around and no one else is speaking up about it and and you're by yourself how do you where do you find that strength um and and women who will be willing to invite you to different events and meetings and venues so that you can begin to meet other people and and see these different networks that we're a part of so that's the one to me fundamental piece of advice to get you started is to identify that mentor and in fact i had a, a woman um recently um actually a little bit older than me black woman who asked me to be her political mentor because she's interested in getting into politics and I was extremely flattered and uh, of course I said yes because she's um, someone who grew up living in poverty and never ever thought she'd uh, see herself running for office and now she's working on her graduate degree the first in her family to go to college and she's interested in getting in politics and I I say that to say that it's also never too late for a woman to get into politics you should never think it's too late for you or that you're too old and I also believe that you're never too young and it's never too early or too soon so if people might have questions or want to contact you where can they find you certainly so folks can definitely email me a-t-t-i-c-a dot s-c-o-t-t at l-r-c dot k-y dot gov so that's basically attica dot scott at l-r-c which is legislative research commission dot k-y which is kentucky dot gov for government they can call me at area code 502-564-8100 extension 606 they can also follow me on social media i'm on facebook and twitter um, and i try to be as responsive um, and as quickly responsive as possible especially during the the legislative session when we have so much going on Um, but uh, outside of the legislative session I'm definitely able to be a lot um, more responsive and and respond more quickly to folks. Do you get a lot of people reaching out to you? 
I do. And I get people from across Kentucky who, and I have to, to say this, um, Emily, because it was such a, a humbling experience for me to have people from across Kentucky who will call or email me or if I am out visiting um, different counties across uh, the state will say, thank you for being the representative that I wish I had. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for being the voice um, for many of us who are, are in, for example, rural communities that um, people don't think there are liberal or progressive folks there and there are and thank you for being that voice for us and that that just means so much to me and it it touches my heart and it says to me that I have to keep speaking up despite being the only one I have to keep showing up um, and I have to keep raising my voice for people who do have power and do have voice they simply aren't represented yet in Frankfurt for their um, power and voices to be heard at the level in which it should be. In your campaign, you know, going back to that, you knew that you would be the, like, if you won, you would be the only black woman representative. Was that something that made you kind of pause and think about this decision you had made? Oh, definitely. I I thought about a lot. I thought about safety. You know, what what Mm -hmm. would it be like for me um, walking the halls, sometimes being up there early in the morning or late at night and and walking the halls by myself? And, um, you know, would I feel safe as the only one? You know, I thought about um, knowing that there are issues that people that I'm representing care about that um, are concerned about are quite frankly, afraid about that um, either we're not being addressed or we're being addressed in a way that's going to hurt them even more. And, you know, would I be the only person to stand up and speak up? And and if I did, would that um, be held against me by people who would say, well, uh, you care about black lives and you dare say black lives matter on the floor. And so don't ever, none of your bills are ever going to come up and be heard because, Um, you know, the majority of us don't want to hear that on the floor. You keep that to yourself. And so, of course, I thought about that. I thought about what it would mean to talk about, you know, people who are black and trans. I thought about, you know, what it would mean to stand up and speak out for people who are immigrants and, um, you know, what what it would mean to speak out, speak speak up about gun safety long before 2018. And Mm -hmm. so all of that went across my mind and I still... Um, decided to do it after being in prayer, talking to my pastor, my family, my amazingly supportive family, and my uh, ever-expanding circle of solidarity and um, friendship and people who know that there is a, a different way and a better way forward for Kentucky and that we start one election at a time. And has it been as you know have any of these issues come up for you that you were concerned about they have definitely come up for me and I, I know that uh, most of your listeners will be aware of uh, the state representative from Bullitt County who committed suicide in 2017 was mired mm-hmm. in uh, a cloud of um, conspiracy and um, I you know we both served in the state house and I, there was one time when I found myself on the elevator with him and committed to never have that happen again because um, I did not feel comfortable being in that space um, mm-hmm. with him. And so my comfort had to be first. Yeah. And so those are the kinds of um, experiences that I had. Also experiences being in committee meetings, being the only black person there and have people testifying and saying, um, awful, disgusting, hateful, harmful 
um, words about uh, black kids in so-called inner city urban areas and, and having to be the only person to speak out in opposition and then have someone email me that night and ask, why are you always so angry when you speak? Because I dare to challenge a white man who was saying um, some of the most uh, racist uh, words and stereotypical and prejudicial words you could say about young black people. And so, yes, I have and continue to experience uh, those realities. Do you feel like you are making a difference within that circle of people? Not for, I, I know you're making a difference for the people you represent, but within the state house, you know, are you seeing any maybe minds and thoughts being changed at all? I am. And, and every time someone affirms that for me, I, I I don't even know what to say. I'm just sometimes speechless because I go in uh, sometimes thinking, oh, my gosh, this this is an issue where, you know, there are five black men and me and and a few very, you know, very liberal and progressive um, legislators. And I'm thinking it's just going to be the couple handful of us Mm -hmm. who are going to get this. But sometimes um, like last year when we 2017, when we were debating the Blue Lives Matter bill, which would uh, was in direct retaliation to the Black Lives Matter movement and would effectively change Kentucky's hate crimes law to now include your employment of choice. I remember um, after the debate and the vote on the House floor, one of our um, white Democratic colleagues came up to the the black members of the House and said, I think I made a mistake in voting yes for that bill after hearing you all speak. Or to have a white woman say to me or come and ask me last year how I was going to vote on the so-called gang violence reduction bill, which is really about profiling young um, black and brown kids. Uh, How are you going to vote on that bill? And when I explained how and why, she said, I'm going to vote with you because it's the right thing to do. And only three of us voted against the bill out of 100 members of the House. And it ended up dying in the Senate. But those kinds of moments are the moments that say to me, it's it matters, it makes a difference that I'm serving in our state house because um, person by person by person, I am able to get a message across um, on occasion and sometimes when it matters the most. Wow, just sounds so powerful when you, when you talk about it. Did you imagine as a kid or a teenager or even, you know, a few years ago that you would be serving in office? Not as a kid. So as a kid, I um, thought I'd be, you know, I'd watch courtroom dramas on television and thought I'd be in a courtroom, uh, you know, litigating a case like they do on TV. And then Mm -hmm. I went to work at the University of Tennessee Law School and um, learned quickly that that's not actually how it works. (laughs) And so so those uh, illusions were cast away. Uh, But... Then a friend of mine, we graduated from college together. We were very young, uh, decided to run for office in Knoxville, Tennessee against a long-term incumbent and asked me to be his communications manager. And we had no illusions that we'd win, but we worked our <laughs> butts off and we won. Wow. And, and Yes. And we that just, that experience said to me more than any other before it because I'd never had a political experience like that it said to me we can do it we can win when we um, operate effective grassroots campaigns we talk to people we knock on doors we engage people we hear what they have to say we understand it and we advocate for it 
people will support us they will vote for us and that was the first time I thought it was possible and then I came back home to Louisville and um, you know began doing uh, community-based work with Kentucky Jobs with Justice and and seeing and and I'm hearing from and talking to my friends who were women of color and um, recognizing that we were not reflected in local or state office and 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 even if we we did have black people serving we still felt like as as act, activists our issues were not being addressed we decided we were going to run and we sat around a kitchen table um probably three months in a row having these conversations about who it would be who would run and they ultimately looked at me this was in 2010 and said Attica you're going to be the one that we're going to support to run now let's figure out what you're going to run for and we decided it would be school board because I had two young children in school at the time and we didn't see our issues reflected at that decision-making level on the Jefferson County Board of Education and that was the first time I ran for office. Didn't win, I ran in a five-way race and never run before and ended up coming in second place in a five-way race and so um, that, that was the first time and it was sitting down with people who felt like they weren't represented that got me, you know, that fire lit under me to say, you know, this is what people want you to do and because people want you to do to do this you have to do it and so um, I know that there are many young women and and older women and and women in the middle who are um, being told every day that you should run for office and I hope that you answer that call and that you run for office because people really mean it when they say that they want you to run for office and that they will support you. Well, this has been one of my favorite conversations. Thank you so much for talking about your experience and and what it's like once you actually win. Well, thank you, Emily. I, I do feel like that's part of, that's that next step, right? Conversation that we need to that's have right. is to say, all right, all of these women who are running, we also want you to know what's really like, what it could be like when you get here. Well, thanks so much. And I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. You're welcome. Thank you so much. And that's it for today. Thanks to Representative Attica Scott for chatting with me. You can find her at atticascott4ky.com. That is A-T-T-I-C-A-S-C-O-T-T-4, the number four, K-Y.com, or on Twitter at, at Attica Scott. You can find and follow this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at at She's Running Pod. If you like what we're doing here, please tell a friend about the show. <laughs> and that's it for today. Thanks. Talk to you soon.